Like what you hear on this podcast? There's more. Feel free to check out more books by me, Dave Schmidt, on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you pick up your books. You can check out It's Like Riding a Bike, How to Make Learning Last a Lifetime, or grab my new release, Bold Humility, Empowering Teachers by Empowering Students. In this week's episode of Lasting Learning, we're going to be discussing the teacher shortage that exists across America. You know, we all know that there's a teacher shortage in America, and it's making a lot of us nervous. States are finally taking notice, and they're beginning to respond, as are local districts and schools. But I believe that their best intentions may actually be missing the mark. Their typical response from schools and districts is to try to offer financial incentives and hope that increasing pay by one or two thousand dollars a year is going to be enough to, to solve the issue. While a few thousand dollars would be amazing, unfortunately, I don't think this is really going to do anything to solve the problem. You see, teachers have always been underpaid. When I became a teacher 20 years ago, I knew I'd not be receiving a, a paycheck that allowed me to live in a huge house and take summer trips to Europe. I knew the profession would cause me to sacrifice, and I also believed that the sacrifice would be worth it. You know, I, I typically speak in parables and in metaphors, so let me do so now, if that's okay. Uh, a few weeks ago, I actually ran in my first ever Boston Marathon. The Boston Marathon is the holy grail for runners. It's, it's the big one. In order to run it, a participant needs to either have a qualifying time or to receive a, a sponsor exemption. And this year, the the race was was huge. There were about thirty thousand runners um, that participated in the Boston Marathon. You know, each year, there are about fifty thousand people that are turned away. They apply for the race, and they're just they're not accepted. The New York City Marathon, which is held every fall, is even bigger. It hosts about fifty thousand runners every single year. Running a marathon is a huge commitment. I run close to 50 miles a week. I had to pay about $400 in registration costs. I had to book a hotel. I had to drive 11 hours one way, and <laughs> I was in extreme pain when I got done. Um, yet despite all of that, I'm actually signed up to run Chicago later on this fall as well. Just a decade ago, those same races, those same marathons, had fields only half as large, despite the cost, financial, physical, mental, time, more and more people are still choosing to sign up. When they finish one race, typically they're signing up for the next one. Why then, despite similar costs associated with teaching, financial, physical, mental, and time, are we seeing a decline in the number of quality teachers in classrooms? Well, as uni university officials will tell you, there's actually not a decline nationwide in the number of students enrolling in education courses. Undergrad teacher prep programs are actually doing really well. The issue is that once teachers enter the profession, we drive them away. How? Well, it's pretty simple. See, when I became a teacher 20 years ago, I made a ton of mistakes. I made mistakes every single day. Yet I never really feared for my job security. I knew that I could go to my principal or my assistant principal and explain my mistakes and my missteps, and they would support me. They'd give me feedback, and they would help me grow. Each year, I became better, and I soon blossomed. 
Today, however, things are much, much different. Today, as teachers in the profession, they're told what to do, how to do it, and when to do it. They're bound and tied to the way things are done, and they're not given the freedom to understand their power and their influence. Teachers are made to believe that the programs, the curriculum, the pacing, the resources are all that matters, and that teachers are commodities that can be easily replaced. I've had some principals even tell me that the only reason they hire new teachers is that they're easy to replace. New teachers feel a constant pressure. They're always looking over their shoulders for fear of judgment and evaluation. They're no longer free to admit mistakes and ask for help and in fear that they'll be in jeopardy of losing their jobs. They feel bound and restricted, and only those willing to maintain the appearance of compliance and submission are able to continue. Teachers, who should feel strong, powerful, and majestic, are instead forced to feel inadequate, weak, subservient. Sure, money would be nice, but if we really want to solve the teacher shortage problem, the answer is to begin to remind teachers that they matter. Teachers matter more than textbooks, more than programs. Teachers matter more than anything. We have to break the ropes and let the strength of our teachers be on display. I believe that only once teachers really feel powerful again, will teachers rise to the challenge. Will they celebrate their influence? Will they be willing to embrace the pain, the sacrifice? Will they be willing to do all that's necessary to stick out their their careers and really make a difference of changing destinies. The reason we have a shortage is not because little boys and girls no longer dream of being teachers. The reason we have a shortage is because once teachers enter the profession, we're not able to support them and allow them to do the difficult work. They sign up to do a job, enter their classrooms within only a few years, the vast majority decide to move on. They're not groomed. They're not grown. You know, many of us are familiar with the, the writings of Malcolm Gladwell, where he describes the need to practice a task for 10,000 hours before becoming a master. To a teacher who works 40 hours a week, 40 weeks a year, this means that he or she would have to practice being a teacher for a minimum of 6.25 years to develop a sense of mastery. The average new teacher today lasts less than five years before moving on. It's well before becoming a master. Yeah, it's it, in, in states across America today, there are solutions being proposed. We talked about the financial incentives of a couple of thousand dollars. There are other states trying to make things easier on teachers or make it easier to become a teacher. Some states have decided to allow teachers to work without a license and designated training for up to three years. Administrators are given the green light to remove or non-renew any teacher who's not performing in their first few years. The self-fulfilling cycle of hire, replace, hire, replace just gets perpetuated as administrators focus their attention not on supporting the new who need it the most, but on the veterans who fall outside of the cycle. After all, in many administrators' minds, if a new teacher is not performing at a mastery level, he or she can just be replaced by someone new. There's no need to train, coach, or support. We can just scrap it and start all over again. In schools of poverty, this is even more apparent and prevalent. In many states, the path to certification has less to do with learning the art of instruction and the nuances of pedagogy and more to do with a person's ability to pass a content-specific exam. These newly certified teachers walk into their classrooms filled with academic knowledge, but get frustrated when they're unable to translate that knowledge into learning for their students. We have states who have responded to national accountability legislation by enacting strict evaluation policies. 
These policies have teachers who were once willing to ask for help and support from their supervisors and peers, now afraid to show vulnerability and express any professional development needs, for fear that those insecurities were gonna be used against them. In our quest to hold schools accountable, we have perpetuated the crisis by creating teachers who have stagnated in their growth, administrators who have an inability to successfully support and train, and new teachers filling the growing number of vacancies in every school across the country. Right now, we're seeing the struggles with the inability to retain quality teachers. Soon, we'll begin to see the inability to find quality leaders as the pool of experts and masters decreases. Fewer quality leaders will exponentially heighten the critical nature of this epidemic. If we want to address the epidemic we're currently facing, sure, that money would go a long way, but the real issue is not the lack of a pipeline. The issue is a lack of support once inside. We have to allow for a system of growth, a system of improvement, a system of individuals. In elementary schools today, we understand the importance of early literacy intervention. We know that students should be given tremendous support in their first four years of school to gain foundational skills that will set them up for future success. It's, it, it, it is time that we begin to model the same expectation with our teachers. We have to provide intensive supports early on. The only way to become great at anything is through repeated practice, repeated struggles, repeated feedback, and repeated support. Let's work to eliminate the teacher shortage by doing what matters most. Let's support the teachers we do have. Let's remove the labels we place on their abilities. Let's focus on growth over achievement and begin to understand that what we say is best practice for our students is often best practice for our teachers too. After all, our future depends on it.